This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, this is Don Bluth, and you're listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 28, The Prince of Egypt. Haboob! Happy December, everyone! Whether you celebrate Ashura, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Diwali, or Festivus for Seinfeld fans, December is the time to sign up for Audible.com. No matter what you are celebrating this time of year, Audible knows that you are a fan of the Rotoscopers and wants to give you a gift. Head on over to audibletrial.com backslash the Rotoscopers for your free audiobook. With over 100,000 titles to choose from, you're definitely going to find something that fits your interest. And you never have to return it. Check it out. And happy holidays from audible.com and the Rotoscopers. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson. This is Morgan Stradling and Mason Smith. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. Hello. You know, being able to watch this next movie that we were talking about today is Prince of Egypt. Really just made me super happy because the music in this one is just phenomenal. So we're going to talk about that later and... It's just uh, so happy. <laughs> Excited. Dude, that song was stuck in my head all day because I watched it this morning. Watch it this Jared morning. was singing that song all day yesterday. I had forgotten how cool a movie this is. And it just so happens that it move, this movie has killer animation, too. So it's like La Pacage Total, as my French brethren say. But really, I mean, this... This movie has it all in, so we're going to bring out our best stuff today. That's something that we all love. But before we do that, we're going to head on over to the news. Look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. We got some good news coming up here. So I was stumbling around the internet like I usually do, and I came across a trailer for a new cartoon series that's not really new. It's a reboot of an old cartoon series being released by Nickelodeon. And that's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. 
Yeah, They're the world's most fearsome fighting team. We're really hip. <laughs> Turtles in a half shell. Turtle power. Turtle power. <laughs> yeah, the trailer is available on the Nickelodeon website. Um, they are to launch a new Ninja Turtles cartoon. Actually, you know, a reboot. So this is like number three, right? This is like the third reboot that they've done with the I, series. It looks like oh. they, yeah. You know, they, they actually had a live action series. And they actually did a crossover with the Power Rangers oh, for no. one episode. Oh, that's desperation. <laughs> Dude, not quite animation, but still the Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's amazing. Um, so confirmed characters so far. We've got Master Splinter, of course. Oh, yeah, we've got the, you know, we got the four turtles, of Excellent. course. Uh, weapons have been mixed up. Uh, Donatello now has a bow staff and, like, this, like, pike, like, halberd thing. <laughs> and then they changed up some of the stuff. But anyway, so anyway, we got the turtles. Master Splinter, we got Shredder, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. The old villains, Krang and Dr. Baxter. Not sure about Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, one interesting character is Karai, you know, pupil of Shredder and leader of the Foot Clan. And then April is actually being voiced by Mae Whitman in this series. So that's pretty interesting. She was in Avatar, I believe. Last Airbender. Not the yes, King and she's also the voice of Tinkerbell. What? <laughs> yeah, when we went to Destination D, they had a Tinkerbell panel, and she was there, and she was really cute. So, oh, yeah, sweet. she's actually. She, if have you ever watched Arrested Development? No, I haven't, but everybody says I should. Uh, well, she plays like a very like a funny side character in that. She plays like a girlfriend of the the high school kid George Michael, and uh, she's hilarious. And I've just I'm so happy to see her do other things, but it's unrelated to turtles. So, <laughs> continue on. <laughs> Yeah, but this is going to be cool. It's uh, all CGI, and it may or may not have to do with the CG movie that came out in, like, 2005, I believe, TMNT, uh, which I really loved, but, you know, I don't have much faith in these reboot cartoons. One thing that's really bugging me is, uh, you know who's voicing Raphael? My favorite Ninja Turtle, by the way. Who? It's uh, Sean Astin. So he played... <laughs> Sean Astin played Samwise Gamgee in The Lord of the Rings. You oh, get what yes. I'm saying here? Samwise Gamgee... Yeah. Cool but rude. Raphael, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Like, as far as I care, they've already blown it, because it's like, you know, Mr. Frodo, you want to know why your brother died? <laughs> you know, that's not Raphael, do you? Raphael, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, crazier things have happened, you know? But um, I'm just not enthusiastic about it. What do y'all think? You know, I haven't really followed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> since the original cartoon show. So, hey, I think this is pretty cool. Yeah, not, uh, I probably won't end up seeing it, but hey, if somebody else actually ends up seeing it, they can always tell us how it is. Which most likely will be Mason. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so there is a new untitled Pixar project that's going to be directed by Teddy Newton and written by Derek Connolly. So we don't know what this movie is going to be about. We just know that Teddy Newton, who's a Pixar artist, he directed the short Day and Night, which is the one with those two little guys. One represents day, one represents night. I think it's really cute. It's a 2D animated film for them. And he is going to direct this movie, and it will be written, like I said, Derek Connolly. He recently wrote a script for a movie called Safety Not Guaranteed, and he was listed in Variety as one of the 10 screenwriters to watch in 2012. So he's kind of these up-and-coming, really hot screenwriters and Connolly actually said some interesting things about the film he he didn't really give too much about anything he just uh talking about Pixar he said 
Um, it's totally different the way they do things there. You're here every day. You don't go away for three months and then come up with a script. You're involved with the director and it's very collaborative, which is obviously the way the animation industry is run rather than um, traditional films. The only thing he said regarding the project was that he's not to dumb it down or treat animation like it's for kids. So that's very uh, encouraging for the way for the way this story's going, this movie. So other than that, we don't really know anything about it. This could maybe be that movie that we talked about a few episodes ago, the untitled Pixar film that's set for November 2015. Uh, this is kind of makes sense. It's a few years away and could could be done by then. So I don't know. So kind of interesting. And our next little bit of news. A couple episodes ago, we talked about how we went to Destination D. Unfortunately, cameras and everything weren't allowed, so we weren't able to give you too many uh, insights as to what was going on in, in the world of Disney, but we did get to see the unveiling of the official logo for Frozen that's been going to be coming out in 2013. And now Disney has just officially put it out there for everybody to see. So if you want to head on over to the website, you can check it out. We got the new story up on there. It's pretty awesome. You can also head on over to our Destination D episode to hear more about what happened. So I think this is kind of interesting. It's So the movie comes out a year from now, a little less than a year from now. And for other animated films, it seems you have a trailer, maybe a teaser trailer by this point. Uh, just something to go off of. But they are really late in the game. Like, we're a year out and they're like, oh, here's a logo. You know? <laughs> well, it was kind of the same way with Frederick Ralph, though. Like... Well, they, a year before, they at um, D23, they released... Like, at least a, a clip. Oh, really? Yeah, they had a clip go at like a year before. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we do have a few extra little things out there. So just as a, as a little plug, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that in a little video that Morgan and I are going to be doing in a couple weeks. So be on, on your toes waiting for that one. Uh, we have access to some insider scoop and concept art for Frozen, which is kind of very interesting. Somebody who, just somebody, let's just say that. <laughs> this person gave us some of the concept art, and it's really incredible. It's beautiful. Uh, some of the 3D models are there and uh, just sketches of all the characters. So we are going to do a special YouTube video where Chelsea and I are talking about that, and I also will be writing a... Uh, in-depth little blog posts about each character, what they look like, and kind of describing it. Obviously, we're not going to post these pictures. One, we don't want to get in trouble by Disney, and two, we don't want this person to lose their job. So, yes, so it'll all just be uh, our thoughts on it. So get ready for that. Yeah, we don't really want attorneys from Disney knocking on our door. So we're not going to be doing anything that would be suited bad. But, hey, we're all friends, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, so that's all our news. Hush now, my baby, be still now, don't cry. Sleep as you're rocked by the stream. Rescued from a river. Come, Ramesses, we will show Pharaoh your new baby brother, Moses. <laughs> second born, second place. Not for long. Raised by royalty. You are not a prince of Egypt. What did you say? Everything I am is a lie. You are our son. I can't stay here any longer. Moses, please. Goodbye, brother. The truth 
gave him the courage to do the impossible. Abandon this futile mission, Moses. DreamWorks Pictures presents a story for our time. Look at your light through heaven's eyes. A celebration of the human spirit. And the most anticipated movie of the holiday season. really excited we are talking about dreamworks animation's second feature film the prince of egypt dreamworks was actually founded by a man named jeffrey katzenberg uh jeffrey katzenberg was actually he started out over at paramount pictures under michael eisner and then one day uh roy disney called michael and said hey you guys want a job over here at disney and michael said Sure, let's go check it out. And he took a few people with him, and Jeffrey Katzenberg was one of them. So Jeffrey Katzenberg actually worked over at Disney for about 10 years. Right, and so when he was at Disney, he was credited with turning around Disney's animation department in the late 80s, you know, when it was kind of like failing, you know? Very much so. (laughs) And so he managed to turn it around quite a bit. Under his management, the animation department, they eventually created some, some of their most acclaimed and some of their most highest-grossing films, like Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And then over you know, a disagreement, he left Disney in 1994, and he co-founded DreamWorks with a guy named David Geffen. And do you guys know who the third co-founder was? Um, third co-founder of... I feel like I should, but no. You actually Spielberg? mentioned him. Yes, it was Steven Spielberg. Oh, like Spielberg? No, wait, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Two words yeah, together. Spielberg Stiel- <laughs> is 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 a good abbreviation. <laughs> and so, this film uh, that we're about to talk about is DreamWorks' first traditionally animated film. And so, um, it's a you know it's a pretty big deal, especially since it was executive produced by Jeffrey Katzenberg, who just recently left Disney. So, DreamWorks came out with uh, this film. Prince of Egypt. Then after that was Joseph, King of Dreams, and then Road to El Dorado, and then Sinbad. And you know, after Sinbad did so horribly, it was Katzenberg actually who who said that traditional animation was dead, and that they should move on to 3D graphics. And since then, uh, DreamWorks has thrived on films that uh, that were all CG 3D graphics, Ex- with the notable exception of this upcoming movie, uh, Me and My Shadow. Right. Yes, that actually is going to be their first 2D film, or partial film, I guess. The shadow in Me and My Shadow will be traditionally animated while everything else will be in a 3D world. So, I mean, I guess he's eating his own words. But, you know, like I, I completely disagree with his mentality that 2D is dead. I mean, they just didn't have great stories. <laughs> yeah, that was the main thing. 
Ah, don't blame it on the medium. Blame it on yourself. Yeah, Road to Eldorado was okay. I didn't see Joseph King of Dreams, and then I, I really didn't see Sinbad. I mean, Spirit of the Cimarron. Yeah. So I mean, there's nothing really stopping me from see, seeing Sinbad. I haven't. I've never seen it before, but. You know, I don't. So I guess I can't judge, but I, I can't remember Sinbad making a lot of waves. Besides the Brad Pitt voice in it, right? Yeah, that was about it. That was about it. So anyway, that's kind of the situation we've got here. Just to put in a little context into this film, Prince of Egypt, we've got Jeffrey Katzenberg executive producing it. It is also directed by the first woman to direct an animated feature from a major studio. Do y'all know who that is? That's uh, Brenda Chapman. Yes, oh, she was just on Brave. Part of it. She was almost on Brave, but yeah, she was the original uh, director for Brave. So directed by this, the uh, trio of Brenda Chapman, Steve Hickner, and Simon Wells. Some of the awards that it received, like I said earlier, the music in this is amazing. And because it's got Stephen Swartz on there, Stephen Swartz also did different plays like Wicked. If anybody's ever heard of that one, that just made a billion dollars. Not quite, but a lot of money, and it's amazing as well. Um, but he did most all of the all of the songs with lyrics a part of this, as well as Hans Zimmer did the orchestral score. It did win the Oscar for Best Music and Original Song for When You Believe. And it was also nominated for another one as well. At the Grammys, it didn't quite have as much of a it didn't have as much luck. It was nominated for Best Soundtrack Album uh, against other like American Beauty uh, the Matrix, and Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, but it lost to Tarzan. So Tarzan was had just come out as well, which, you know, Tarzan was awesome too. It had Phil Collins on there, great, great music as well. But then the next one just really took me by surprise to see what happened when they went for best song written for a motion picture, television, or other visual. I mean, it, it won the Oscar, but... Apparently, the Grammys wasn't quite good enough. It was nominated alongside of A Bug's Life, Tarzan, and another another movie called Music of the Heart. But all of those lost against Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. What? <laughs> really? I mean, okay, so they could have chosen between Prince of Egypt and all its, you know, wondrous soundtrack-isms. Or Tarzan, which also has a killer soundtrack. And they go with uh, Austin Powers 2. Like, seriously, I mean, yeah, lots of bright minds judging the Grammys that year. For sure. I, but it, You know, it is Madonna. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, I mean, for a religious film, it's got one heck of a soundtrack, you know what I mean? And uh, speaking of which, don't forget to pick up the Nashville version of the soundtrack. There actually, there's the theatrical soundtrack. There was the Nashville, like, tribute soundtrack that was released. Like, Clint oh Black my. did a song for it. Yeah. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Go check it out. And then there's a, a, more of a gospel choir uh, uh, version of the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I actually have checked out the Nashville version. I was really excited to get this CD for Christmas, and I got it, and it was the <laughs> but I didn't realize it until I opened it up. And you cannot return it after the fact, and I was so bummed. Like, beyond bummed, because Nashville did at the time you know, did nothing for me. <laughs> I know, so it's like through heaven's eyes. It's like on a banjo. That would be actually a bluegrass version of see yourself through heaven's eyes would be pretty cool. Yes, it would. Let's look at lots of banjo. Maybe Mumford and sons can do it. Nah, that's too cheery of a song for them. 
So for box office, it had a budget of $70 million. Opening weekend, which was December 20th, 1998, my birthday. I Yay! Turned- Thank oh, good you. Well, um, it earned around $14.5 million and went on to make worldwide $218 million. So not a huge success, but not a failure either. I mean, there there is nothing wrong to be said with these numbers. Um, it's obviously not, you know, this crazy, super popular film, but it still did decently. I mean, I think anything over, I mean, first off, making your budget back is very good. So, and then going over a hundred million is great. And then 200, that's even better. So it was good. Yeah, totally. I mean, this film did well, Yeah. You know? but it doesn't have such a high, it doesn't have like a really high rating wherever you look. Yeah. It's just like decent. It's like in the C range, like 75% on rotten tomatoes. Um, yeah. Says them. It, it's not what I give it. Yeah, no, I, I I was wondering about this. Like, why do you guys think it didn't have so much of a, a success rate? I mean, I thought it was successful. I thought okay. it was great. I mean, I go back after I watched it this week. I could have started it over and watched it again. I enjoyed it that much. But like we said, there's the following is there is a following for sure, but it's not as strong as other ones. And I just, I wonder, do you think of the fact that it was religious in nature that it didn't go further? I think you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room and that, yeah, this is a film that is a story from the Bible. I don't know. Some people may have a problem with this film because of that. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe one of the things is that this is more of a serious film. Um, This isn't a movie that my nieces and nephews would be turning to. I mean, you know, they are five and eight, you know, oh, let's watch Prince of Egypt. I mean, this is definitely more adult film, a bit more serious content. You know, it, it is very bold. And it still did quite well. And and there is, we've talked about kind of the bias about animation. It's, it's, it's for kids. And so I think, you know, most people on the street, they weren't just going to go out and see an animated film, you know, even if they were religious or not, just because it was animated, even though, yeah, I've heard it's really cool and awesome, but no, that's not for me. So I, I think maybe it is a, a combo of actually both the religious nature of the film and the fact that it's animated and serious, all three. I can see that. Um, so what I really loved about this movie is that it is a bold move. I mean, it's a Bible story. So I like go DreamWorks. I think it's just absolutely incredible. They are able to do that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a Bible story. You know, I really loved the disclaimer they had at the beginning. It essentially says how, yes, we took artistic liberty with the story, but we feel proud that it holds true to the basic principles of the story that millions hold dear and sacred. So, you know, I really applauded them for that. You know, they weren't just going to go crazy and, you know, kooky with this. They, they wanted to tell the story because it is a rather inspiring story. Uh, it has a lot of great elements, but they were going to respect the content where it came from the original source and also the, the people who find it very sacred. Yeah. They did really good at bookending it. Um, the beginning with this kind of disclaimer, but also at the very end, it has quotes from the Hebrew Bible, the new Testament, as well as the Quran. Uh, and they all citing how Moses was just one of the greatest prophets. So I thought that was really cool um, to be able to not just see that, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe in Moses and I believe in all of this, but also it's great to see and to remember once again, that it's not just in my religion that believes in him. Like it's a lot. Like he's revered by millions yeah, seriously. I mean, Moses is a super important figure to all these religions. 
And like for all the haters who want to criticize this film, I mean, they got to understand that this is Hollywood. So obviously some parts are going to be changed slash dramatized, you know, for those who really want that historical accuracy. This film doesn't have any like lovable animal sidekicks. So why, why, why are you complaining about inaccuracy? I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, they did have a few goats and they goats. They had a, a pretty comical camel. If you pardon my alliterations. Um, yeah. And so, and for that same reason, for those who are hesitant to see this film because of its religious tones, for whatever reason, it's a Hollywood film, so it's not going to be as in-your-face. You know, we should appreciate that a Hollywood film like this got a release with having this story that is so important to so many religions. And yep. when you really think about the story of Prince of Egypt, it's not strictly a religious story. You know, when you have the hero who leaves his homeland, change, you know, changes his ways... And comes back to liberate his people. That's like the quintessential and classical hero's quest epic that has been told over and over again. Like from Star Wars to Lord of the Rings, you know, for for forever. And of course, all you know, of course, most of your major literature is is based on stories in the Bible. But this movie isn't just about the Jewish people. It's about everyone. It's not just about the Hebrews freedom from slavery. It's about everyone's freedom. And so this is a great film because it's bold. It's got that boldness for being a, you know, a, a film with, you know, a religious theme or a religious figure, you know, at its center. But at the same time, it's got such a great story that is, in my opinion, it's relatable to everyone. I mean, you've got the relationship between Moses and Ramses that, that changes dramatically. You've got the guilt and the sorrow that Moses feels. And, you know, you've got his feelings when he has this amazing spiritual experience. And for everyone who's had such an experience in their life, they can really relate to that. And so I think this film is very accessible and it shouldn't be shied away from. Yeah. One of the quotes that I read, um, Steven Spielberg was actually, I guess the, the idea behind this, he said to Katzenberg at the very beginning of DreamWorks, he says, you ought to do the 10 commandments. Um, so I say, thank you, Steve, for suggesting that because this really has, is one of their like shining stars in my opinion. And what I think is interesting is actually uh, that movie we just mentioned, Mumbai musical, actually, you know, we talked, it's based on the Ramayana, which is a very sacred Hindu text um, and follows the main character of Rama as he goes. And so I, again, I actually like, you know, I tip my hat to DreamWorks in this because they, you know, they've done Prince of Egypt and it's not like, okay, we did our religious story. Now we're done. You know, now they're, they're going to tackle that story in a, uh, an animated setting. So, yeah, I mean, this is like super significant cause it's a DreamWorks we're talking about. So this is like Shrek, this is mega mind. It's super significant cause okay. While ants was DreamWorks first film, right? They're opening up like second film coming out, you know, coming out of production is the story of Moses from the book of Exodus. So it's crazy. I mean, to think like what if Disney started started their film series off with like the story of Jesus or something like it's kind of like that. Like it's like a brand new animation studio, super ambitious film. And um, I just think it's super cool. Yeah. One thing I also I really respect dreamworks as well for doing the mumbai musical uh is because i love learning about other cultures i myself i have no qualms with going and seeing a movie based on somebody else's religious text like i have no qualms with that i love learning about different things so kudos to dreamworks 
Alabaster stone, all I ever wanted. This is my home. With my father, mother, brother, oh so noble, oh so strong. Now I am home. Here among my trappings and belongings, I belong. And if anybody doubts it, they couldn't be more wrong. I am a sovereign prince of Egypt, a son of the proud history that shone, etched on every wall. Surely this is all I ever wanted, all I ever wanted, all I. to kind of the um, character design. What I really loved about this film were the characters. I mean, they were beautiful. They were uh, different from what we've seen from the classic Disney-inspired look, and that was really something they were trying to, you know, go away from. They didn't want your traditional 2D animated character, which, you know, they can fall into a very very generic uh, look, more or less. So they wanted to deviate from that, and what we get is this just this really like uh, graphic, this unique character design. You know, they have these really long faces. I guess you can also tie in the fact that there was the juxtaposition of the Egyptians versus the Hebrews. Uh, the Egyptians had very angular features, as you see in their hieroglyphics and in their art. Uh, very, very characteristic of their art and architecture and style. And then the Hebrews are more organic more natural looking, you know, rounded features, uh, a bit fuller. And so I really liked, you know, looking at that, it gave a really realistic uh, feel to the film. You know, we kind of talked about, they established very early on this mature feel, you know, but they also continue with that with these mature characters. So I, I love the characters in this one. Yeah, I agree. It's really cool character design. And uh, where the characters are animated is, I think, a super strong point in this film. For one, okay, you've got a lot of special effects. Out of the 1,192 scenes in this film, 1,180 included some type of special effect, you know, whether it was the sea, sea, you know, sea parting, red sea parting, or like just like wind blowing through someone's hair. Um, so this film was ambitious in that it had special effects. I really like the, I really like the art. It's just reflects how grand and epic this film is because it is an epic film it could go right up there with um you know ben-hur or, or ten commandments or one of those classic epics you know what i mean yeah. we had hand-painted layouts there are about 934 of them and all of them are super gorgeous like they really make the egyptian like monuments and all their temples and stuff look super spacious and super grand you know and it reflects their attitude towards themselves 
And then you've got these beautiful desert scenes, like when uh, Moses is wandering through the desert. It's really cool. Yeah, and he's like climbing the sand dunes, like monkey walking across. I was like, whoa, intense. Um, what I really liked is that this film experiments with CGI, you know, like many films of the time, Anastasia, um, you know, they, they definitely play with CGI experimenting with the layouts and the um, the vehicles, you know. So in this, I noticed a lot of the boats and, you know, the chariots and things were CGI, but also kind of more the layouts and the camera movements. Um, but I feel that this film did it better than Anastasia. It felt more organic to me. What do you guys think? Oh yeah, for sure. They did it much better. Like there was so many different things. Like you notice that some of the carts and some of the different things were CGI, like, but only barely. But then again, it also, Anastasia was two or three years beforehand. And so a lot of technology is going to change over that period of time, especially during that specific time, you know, when they were experimenting so much with CGI. So it's definitely going to make leaps and bounds, but they did it in a really classy, real, but modern way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, In this film, the special effects and the use of CG, it enhances the film overall, but it's not what, what they attempted to make the film with. I thought that how the characters moved and acted was very, very, very well done in my opinion. What's cool about this film is that you've got a musical-based, very high-quality dialogue track, which was recorded, and then it formed the base of the animation. And so all the characters, they mimic that dialogue track, and so they take their time performing actions. You can really soak in what they're feeling and what what they're really saying. And there's a lot of drama, and there's a lot of theatrics, and it's not rushed at all. Frame rate is just fine. I just think the animation of this film is super good, considering it wasn't even Disney. Definitely a contender. Uh So some of the major scenes in this movie, I love how they just started it out with the song Deliver Us. One thing, it shows you what to expect, um, not only musically, but also emotionally. Yeah, totally. Prince of Egypt is a musical. I mean, there's no getting around it. And it's, but it's got so much power and it's got so much energy. And I think that's the only way you could tell such a dramatic, epic story in animation, at least. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of got emotional during this first song. This is definitely an example of using music where words just won't work, where you can't use words to describe what you're feeling. You know, there's this raw emotion and drama in this scene that's absolutely breathtaking. You know, it's probably one of my favorite scenes and songs in the movie. In addition to, I think that this really kind of sets the sets the stage for the fact that this is a musical. We're going to incorporate songs, but these the songs just flow throughout.
that first song explodes with emotion. Seriously, you've got so many feelings going on. And I think it's just an awesome way to open the film, which just kind of establishes how ambitious the film is. And it really made me respect the film watching it again. As Moses grows up, we go into the chariot race scene as he and Remesis are racing through the desert and through all of the uh, all of these different monuments, not monuments, but you know, buildings, edifices. And, you know, there's that part where the Sphinx nose falls off. And I'm thinking, okay, that just was done by Aladdin. How many movies have they, like, tried to put a reason behind the no-nose Sphinx? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Maybe that was a nod to Disney, but I think that scene's kind of cool. It's one of the very few moments in the film where you get some actual humor. Like we said, this is a serious film. You know, Ramsey's like, you always looked up to me, little brother. And he's like, yes, but it's not much of a view. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Yeah. But, well, this scene really establishes who Ramsey's and Moses have become and grown to be. They really are brothers. They're playful. Very soon right after, you realize that Ramsey's takes his role very much more seriously than Moses. I was going to say Moises from, like, the Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Moises. <laughs> But, you know, then you realize that they are brothers, they are friends, but then immediately right after, after the fun and games and everything literally topples over, you, you realize they are two completely different personalities. Yeah, and it has to do with this, with this, like, firstborn thing with the Pharaoh, who we get introduced to, uh, you know, the beginning of the film. Pharaoh's voiced by Patrick Stewart, which was cool. And by the way, this film has an all-star cast. Like, all the main characters are, you know, famous actors and actresses. Yeah, very much so. But definitely a an example to me of celebrity casting done right. Done right, exactly. Exactly. Because they're thinking, like, even though it's Patrick Stewart and his voice is very noticeable, I didn't really even realize until you just said that he did it. I mean, these people's voices were captured in the character, not, you know, I'm just going to play me. I wasn't distracted by any voice cast. I was. Yeah, I mean, either. I was by Hotep and Hoy, the bad guys, or his magician people. Yeah, that was not good. But other than that, I enjoyed it. I felt like they were all really spot on. Yeah, we had Val Kilmer for Moses, and Ralph Fiennes is the voice of Ramsey. Now, you know Ralph Fiennes, uh, Harry Potter fans know him as he who must not be named, a.k.a. Lord Voldemort, (laughs) which I thought was pretty cool. You know, that guy was in a lot, you know, that guy, Ralph Fiennes, he was in a lot of, like, big movies. But I guess I've never seen him in a film before Harry Potter. I don't know. Anyway. I didn't pay attention to him as an actor before Harry Potter, and now I'm going back, and I'm like, hey, he's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. (laughs) i know and so yeah we've got this whole dynamic with the pharaoh and i like him because the relationship with him and his sons moses and ramses is pretty well done like it's more complex than just the typical disney parent you know typical disney parent you know they've just got kind of like a one-track mind and it usually conflicts with what the protagonist wants and he's hard on his firstborn and he's got a reason for it and he's got some cool scenes, like when he tells Moses about how he ordered the death of the firstborns of the Hebrews. You look at his face and it's, you know, it's hard for him to say it. So you wonder if he regretted it or if he regretted making the decision. But you also see the hard side of him, too, when he's like, you know, they were just slaves. You kind of feel like Moses does, like you want to love Pharaoh because he seems like a noble enough ruler, but at the same time, he's he's hold, still holding on to these cruel traditions. For sure. 
I love the first half of the film because it really establishes, yes, they took some artistic license, but it really establishes kind of the motives behind everyone. Like mm-hmm. Chelsea said, you know, they got this thing going on with the sons and they're, you know, you see that they're brothers, but there's a serious side to it too. And I like how they establish how Ramsey's just wants to please his father. And he's really hard on himself because that's who he is. He's the firstborn. And you really get to see that come out in the second half of the film. But yeah, they had some cool scenes. Uh, there's the like the crazy scene where Moses figures out that he is a Hebrew. Yes. And he has the hieroglyphic stream. Yes, that's actually one of the, the scenes that really always stands out to me. There's definitely a lot of use of CGI with that. But I like how they, they play on the element of hi, uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. And they use that as a dramatic way to reveal, you know, this part of the story in a dream form, because dreams are always kind of off the wall anyways. And, you know, it's just it's just natural that his dream would flow in this hieroglyphic form. And then he kind of wakes up and he finds the depiction of the the killing of the firstborn on the hieroglyphics. So and you, you think that, you know, this is his home. So he's probably seen these hieroglyphics before. But he's never actually put them into their contacts, or the same contacts, at least now with him being one of them. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's a really powerful scene, and I think it's a real creative way to use CGI. I didn't particularly like the CGI in this scene. I, I felt like it was a little too um, drastic, the difference between the traditional side and the CGI part. But other than that, like every other place, I believe, in the movie, it, they utilize CGI almost flawlessly. Yeah. I like this part. I like the CGI here. Yeah. Agree disagree. I agree to disagree. <laughs> cool. So that's that. And then you have, you know, Moses runs away, goes through the desert. Dude, the desert has some cool scenes. I like the part where he just like kind of gives up and he just kind of embraces the huge sandstorm that's coming towards him. Haboob. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what like, is that from? <laughs> that's an Arizona thing. Oh, so in Arizona, we get these huge dust storms. And uh, probably about two years ago, people actually started labeled it, changing the name from calling them dust storms to calling them haboobs, which is what they are called, I guess, in you know the Middle East or in the Sahara. Uh, it's a term for a giant dust storm. And it kind of this giant cloud of dust comes and takes over everything. And we've had them frequently here in Arizona. So haboob is the oh. new <laughs> Anyways, this is clearly at a boob. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to start saying that now. But I, don't, I don't know how many dust storms there are in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like if you go on and Google Haboob, H-A-B-O-O-B of Arizona, there's a million different pictures out there of just this wall of dust heading at you. There's some pretty amazing ones, too. They are intense. Like everything just goes dark outside. It's almost like... Somebody just turned the lights off. It's crazy. Huh. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. So he experiences this haboob and uh, he practically gets rescued by, you know, a previous character that we were introduced to, Sephora, who was this like slave girl, you know, but um, now you find out her origins. Uh, Voiced by Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Zipporah is she's hot. She's sassy. I love it. I liked her in the first half of the film because... She also, like, is playful, like old Moses, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she makes a good match for him. I think they could have left her out of the second half of the movie, though. I liked her in the second half, though. I I mean, I I liked the last scene with her. 
Right, because they wanted to show that she has total faith in what's going on, that she wants to participate in this exodus, and they have her duet with uh, with Miriam. I don't know. I think they just should have had Aaron as his wing, be his wingman in Egypt, and then just kind of leave Sephora at home. But that's just my my opinion. She didn't really do much. Leave the wife at home. <laughs> well, well, they can give her a call once everything in Egypt town is done. <laughs> like, hey, we're crossing the river now. Come through. That's one thing they had to make a choice of. I mean, they had her kind of, like you said, her as his wingman, opposed to Aaron, who actually is. Uh, his right-hand man in the Bible. So I just think it was just adding another character. And they really changed Aaron to be this cynical, you know, guy. I've got more to say about that guy. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I actually, I like the fact that she was in there also because it kept Moses's character, like, it kept him relatable. If you ever watch the Ten Commandments, you'll realize that once Moses becomes the prophet, he just turns off and he just goes very into a very flat character and you don't really feel his emotions. But I think keeping her in there was a good choice because, you know, at the very end, she she's just like, hey, look, you know, look what you've done. And it it kind of helps it to bring full circle and it helps you to see more from the view of his the entire story and not just okay, now he's the prophet, and now we're we're heading out. That yeah, was my so. take. Yeah. So he's in Midian, right? And he meets up with Jethro and his crew. Um, voiced by Danny Glover. Surprised. Seriously. <laughs> um, my Danny Glover radar wasn't going off, so I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed in myself. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so he joins up with them, and he, he goes through this transformation. So I watched Prince of Egypt this morning, and... Uh, <laughs> I had a uh, through heaven's eyes in my head all day long, like walking up to campus. I was like, dude, I feel epic today. I know, right? I was super pumped. That that song just has so much energy in it. And I I love it. I loved also in this, in the song through heaven's eyes, because it shows his transformation so really well. You can just see how he went from just a child kind of playing around and, you know, causing a ruckus over in Egypt and how he just kind of transformed into a good man who just wants to do good things and work hard and is enjoying his newfound life here and kind of embracing who who he is and getting to know who he is. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I like it because it goes through a change. And when you see like Shepherd Moses, you know, right before his huge experience with the burning bush, like you can tell like in his eyes and his countenance, I guess, that, uh, that he's a changed man. That's that's one thing that I noticed is like during that scene, he walks out and like you say, you can just see it in his eyes, like how content and happy he is with life. You know, he doesn't need the palace and the riches and everything that Egypt has to offer. Just being a shepherd and having a family really makes a difference for him. Yeah, which brings us to the burning bush sequence, because now he's ready for it, right? Um, I thought it was really cool. So the voice of God was actually played by Val Kilmer. And I think that was a good choice, in my opinion, because, you know, I think what Val Kilmer was trying to accomplish and what the directors were trying to accomplish was a more intimate communication with deity. Um, You know, for anyone who's had a spiritual inspiration or or any experience where they could hear that voice and hear that calling. I mean, it's usually in our head 
and it's usually in our own language and in our own words, I guess. And so I thought that was really interesting and really kind of deep reason and choice for having Val Kilmer voice the voice of God as well. Yeah, this scene for me, it was it was interesting because at first, you know, when he when he goes into the into the little cave area where the burning bushes, I feel like did did like God really shout? I I was I was really like taken back by that because it kind of sounded a little too fierce and I thought it would in, in my head, I guess. And I was like, I, should I just go back and read the Bible again and see what really happened? Um, but then I love how afterward it portrayed the feeling of like comfort, even to the tear. Like it was just, I'd never really seen it in picture form, that type of feeling that you can get when you, when you really feel that comfort uh, that comes. And it, it just really resonated with me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's the turning point of the film. It's a new Moses, and then he gets this calling to go back to Egypt and liberate his people. And I like that he goes back and he tells everything to Sephora, and even she is kind of doubtful at first. Mm-hmm. She says, he, you're just one man. And that's when I thought, well, you've got Aaron, but that doesn't happen in this film, does it? Nope. Nope. He goes back, and um, like Morgan was saying, Aaron's kind of a, he's kind of a chump to him. Miriam... Uh, voiced by the indomitable Sandra Bullock, <laughs> always had her faith in in Moses. She was the one who gave the tiny prayer just for him that he would be their liberator uh, at the beginning of the film. But uh, Aaron, voiced by the totally awesome Jeff Goldblum, uh, is a completely different character that I remember in the biblical story. Yeah, every time I hear his voice, it's such a discernible voice. I can only ever think of dinosaurs. <laughs> from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like that's all I can think about. Whenever I hear it, I'm just like, no. <laughs> I've got T-Rex coming at me. <laughs> the water is shaking. No. <laughs> I love that Jeff Goldblum laugh in Jurassic Park. <laughs> ah, it's a uh, chaos. Chaos theory. Chaos theory. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a Jeff Goldblum fan, I was I okay, I was so pleased when I heard his voice. I was like, oh, that's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and I loved it because uh it had just enough Jeff Goldblum humor, you know. He's like, uh, your majesty, um, you have to excuse my sister. She's uh not in the right mindset after such a long day's of work. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it, but <laughs> you know, I just love that kind of plucky Jeff Goldblum character. Now, I think it matched the character that they chose for Aaron. If Aaron's character was stronger, or if it was more important, you know, as you know, Moses' spokesman in the original biblical story, then I think that Goldblum would have been a terrible choice because it just doesn't fit that. But as this kind of like doubtful, kind of plucky guy, I thought he did a good job. Now, this isn't the um, start and finish of Jeff Goldblum's voice talent career. Uh, Recently, the Industrial Development Corporation of South Africa just produced a film called Zambezia that takes place near Victoria Falls. I don't know that much about it, but he he actually is doing a voice for that film. It's either come out this year already or it's or it's coming out. Uh, Jim Cummings is also in it. So, I mean, it's not like. nice yeah they got some good they got some i mean they have some people on that film anyway (laughs) but um i thought that aaron was it was weird that aaron wasn't the character that he traditionally is in the story of moses but um i i I liked jeff goldblum in this film (laughs) completely makes up for it 
Okay, what y'all think about this moment when Moses first confronts his brother, who is now Pharaoh, with the problem of the Hebrew slaves and how they're being treated? What'd y'all think? I thought it was bold, not in any like of a, a way of production, but story wise. Like if you're thinking, if I were Moses and now I'm going back to talk to my brother, and like you can see in the movie how he could feel very comfortable or at least semi comfortable going back, kind of feeling like, hey, we were brothers, you know, we can, you know, work something out here. But at the same time, just kind of daunting. Uh, you can really just feel the emotions there. Yeah, what I really loved about this scene is like the parallels of the first scene when Pharaoh, the original Pharaoh, he was kind of scolding Moses and Ramses. There's that monument in the background of him, you know, and their faces are, are nearly placed one right over the other. And yeah. then you know, you jump ahead and Ramses is there and he talks, my, my Egypt is greater than anything my father could have imagined. And it's the same scene. He's standing in his father's place. The only difference is in the background, there's the father's monument, and then there's the other monument um, of the new one of Ramses, which is bigger, taller, and it's it's directly parallels that scene. And I loved it because it really kind of just just visually explains how everything has changed and how big of a deal he is. Yeah, totally. Lots of good symbolism there. Yeah, it is kind of weird because here's Moses. He's got to talk his brother, you know, the Pharaoh into letting the people go. But it's kind of like an awkward thing. It's like, hey, thanks for coming. You are now Prince of Egypt again. And he's like, no, I'm not really. Um, God's got a mission for me and you need to let all the slaves go. And it's like, uh, awkward. And then, um, you know, who should who should snake up and make things tough for Moses are Hotep and Hui. And so Chelsea talked about these guys earlier. Um, I don't like them. Like, I don't care if they're voiced by Steve Martin and Martin Short. They did a terrible job. Ooh. I'm sorry. I'm going to second that as well. I did not like him. I felt like it totally took me out of the story. I had no feeling left. I just, I was out of the story at this point. Yeah, it was their attempt to kind of have like a comedic relief. And there was no need for comedic relief in this film, you know? And I, I realized they're the magician, you know, the court, well, not court magicians, but, you know, they're Pharaoh's magicians. And so I guess sure. it could have a funnier side to them, but it it doesn't work. You know, even their character design is completely different. You know, they're one of them's tall and skinny. The other one's fat. And it's just, Classic they don't see it. <laughs> they're just they're out of place. They're unnecessary. You know, they could have been really kind of menacing and scary if they looked kind of like Ramses. I know, I know man. Why didn't they pick Jafar? Just put him in this movie. Oh, geez. Why yeah, that would have been... <laughs> Jafar could have been a priest of Pharaoh. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so we get this little villain song playing with the big boys now. What did y'all think of that? Oh, worst song in the film. It's the weakest. It's yeah. kind of yeah. I was watching it with my husband. And it's like, oh, this is a great movie. It's very serious. And then it gets to that, and it's kind of like, oh, can we just fast forward this so you don't have to watch it? I'm kind of embarrassed for the movie now. Okay, now we're back to awesomeness after the fact. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I guess I'm. I'd like to hear what Stephen Schwartz was like his reasoning for doing this song, like he did. I, I kind of feel like that he was just kind of like forced into doing a song like this. And so he's like, all right, I'll do the best of what I can't have or what I can and still keep it 
you know, conforming with the rest of the score, but that's just like the story. Just, it was out of place. But one funny thing I realized, um, did you guys notice at the very, like right before the song started, they like close all the blinds and everything. Like they have slaves that are just like standing there. (laughs) (laughs) It's just in case we have a show. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like but then you think i'm like okay <laughs> of all of the jobs like that's a pretty easy gig i mean if i were to be a slave and like if i were to get to choose any job i'd choose that one because all i have to do is move this on occasion that they decide to do a show <laughs> yeah seriously i want that job <laughs> it was just funny but yeah, yeah like i said playing with the big boys it just i uh I was sad that it turned out so bad, but we move on and it works out. Yeah, kind of an irrelevant, extremely weak song. But we've got other song, other like super um, strong songs coming up. So we got this whole like, it's almost like a montage, you know, they throw all the plagues at him after turning the uh, Nile into blood. Um, that Ooh, was cool. That was creepy. Like, and then just, you've got... Oh. And then, uh, and then you've got the plagues, like you got the frogs, the locusts, um, the skin boils could have been a little more dramatic, but it just does a good, like, it just makes me uncomfortable just watching as like, oh, gross, man. Oh yeah. They do a really good job at grossing you out. Seriously. So that's a good song. And also they incorporate the all I ever wanted motif, you know, musical motif that started with Moses singing about his extravagant life. And then it, it moves into this conflict, this kind of kind of like a spiritual boxing match between Pharaoh and Moses because Moses like, let my people go, you know, this is all I ever wanted, blah, blah, blah. And the Pharaoh's like, is this what you wanted? You wanted me to harden my heart and you want to be my enemy, you know? And so it's just a huge mix of feelings, you know, Pharaoh, uh, Ramsey's feeling betrayed by his brother and confused and feeling hard hardened because he doesn't want to be the weak link in the dynasty chain. And then Moses and his mission, but you can still tell that he is, heartbroken that he has been appointed to be the enemy of his brother and it all culminates in this and you know the someone something's got to give and someone's going to go down that's what i felt during this like montage of the boils of the, the plagues and stuff i love that because it really deepened the relationship between the brothers as well for me I love the line where Moses is like, you know, all I really ever wanted then was just to make you laugh. Like he was just a nice, like you can just kind of see him. It's just like a nice guy. And that's why I did all those things as a kid. He just, he wanted to just see his brother laugh and just like have fun. That was just a brilliant way of, of tying, deepening the relationship and, and deepening the, the tension in the film. Yeah, and you realize that Moses, he doesn't want to hurt Ramses or the Egyptians. Like, he really doesn't want to have to do this, but it's just a matter of what is necessary because God has told him in order to free the Hebrews. And um, it really pains him to when he realizes what he has to do when he, the, the last plague, which is killing the firstborn. You can tell when he, that realization, he looks at the sun and he sees the mural and he knows what the next one's going to be. And he says, you know, Ramses, like you really don't want, you you need to stop now because the next one is worse than any of them combined. Like he's really looking out for his, you know, brother. Yeah, totally. So the whole thing with the Passover and the destroying angel, that was nuts. I <laughs> loved it. Like they did it so well. Like this kind of mysterious portal opens and then these spirits come out and it's, um, man, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then you see Ramses's reaction and he's heartbroken 
And then you have this tiny moment where Moses and Pharaoh are talking face to face, just the two of them in their old hangout spot where they could talk about anything. And it's like, it's almost like Pharaoh is okay now because he's talking about, you know, hey, remember that time when we would, you know, play tricks on everyone back in the day? But it just puts that final nail in the coffin that there's no turning back anymore and that things can never be like they were. Mm-hmm. And um, the Pharaoh is just beaten into submission and he, and he allows the Hebrews to go. But I thought that moment was cool because it still shows that they are brothers and that the Pharaoh is not reduced to this like monster. It's such a complex relationship, and I think it's very mature of this film. Yeah, good point. The next song is the one that they won the Oscar for, There Can Be Miracles. And to me, really, is such an inspiring song. Uh, they did a really good job at transforming the mood from a time where, you know, there's just so much devastation going on, and you hear the weeping and wailing of gnashing of teeth <laughs> of people. As <laughs> <laughs> As they have, you know, they've, all the children have just died, but it also, it, it kind of, it does a really good job at transforming that just solemn spirit to a feeling of, of hope and a feeling of faith. And for me, it's kind of like saying that faith is firm and it moves the whole energy forward, but it's not in your face and it doesn't have like this wham, bam, you know, add Broadway spirit fingers type (laughs) (laughs) type of an ending, you know, the, how a lot of these songs would. And Michelle Pfeiffer actually sang her, her part, which I thought was pretty impressive. I was like, Hey, thumbs up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, this part, like almost could be an ending of the film. Yeah. If they did end it here, I would be okay because it's so climactic and it's just, you know, you, there's that release the whole time they're talking about, we need to free the Hebrews. We need to free the Hebrews and they do, you know, so unless you didn't know what was coming next with the parting of the red sea, you would be completely happy with this ending, you know? So it gets this really high moment. And then there's just kind of a, a little lull very shortly before it actually ends, which is so next they go and there's the dramatic parting of the red sea. Yeah, seriously. So this is where all the art and all the drama and all the energy of the film just kind of comes into this huge crescendo at the end. Because I think it was amazing how they did the Red Sea. Like, it was very stylized, but at the same time, it looked really good. Like, it didn't look like they threw a bunch of cheap 3D animations in there. It looked so beautiful and so dramatic. So I thought the Red Sea was super cool. And then, of course, you have Ramses charging in there uh, with his forces and... uh, his defeat is actually really tragic, and I actually really like that they kept him alive and just threw him up on that rock, and he's kind of, like, still angry at Moses, you know? hmm Yeah, which I think is very unrealistic. He gets swallowed by the sea, you know, and then slams into this rock. And when I saw that, I was just like, mm-mm. Yeah, we don't know how many broken ribs he has at that point. It's debatable. Hey, if God wants you alive to suffer, <laughs> ouch. Okay, so lastly is the ending. The real ending this time. Yeah, the real ending. And uh, it ends with the uh, him giving the Ten Commandments, which kind of flash forwards a few years. Yes. And I, I was wondering, I was like, why did they have to end it there? Like, why couldn't they end it, like, right after? But really, like, the thing that maybe Moses is most famous for is the Ten Commandments. So it's like, you can't do a Moses movie without, you know, the Ten Commandments. So I guess that's why they put it in. And Steven Spielberg did say, hey, you ought to do the Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. They're like, we forgot. (laughs) 
Yeah, seriously. Maybe yeah. Part, part of a different movie where this was actually like a two and a half hour version of of the the Moses story, but then they really <laughs> had to cut it down, and so this is part one, and part two is yet to be released. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were trying to hint at a sequel or something like that. You know, <laughs> forty years wandering through the desert. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of drama in there. I tell you what, but um, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. Because the viewer has to remember that this is just one part, one triumph of the story of Moses' life, which was quite long and filled with a lot of, you know, a lot of situations like uh, like the Exodus. Of course, the Exodus is the one that he's most uh, well known for. Yeah, so I mean, it was a it was a good good ending to the film. It kind of brings it all around. Like this is the Moses that um, that brought the Ten Commandments down and and is the uh, you know basis of obedience and faith to so many people. Um, don't forget also, this was a very key to the, to the time period of the movie was the welcome to the nineties R and B remixes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. Like they end it with like this solemn scene of Moses bringing down the 10 commandments. And it's like, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. The boys to men, I think was the, the highlight of that one though. <laughs> unnecessarily completely deviates from anything the film established yeah Yeah, what better way to honor the epic tale of moses and the exodus with boys to men (laughs) it's just like kind of embarrassing because the movie had done such a good job and then just out of left field there's this why just because that's the norm you have to do a 90s you know r&b version of your song even in prince of egypt come on Anyway, maybe there's like a deal that they do, like a, I don't know. They're like signed with blood with the R&B industry. But any animated film, you owe us. (laughs) (laughs) We made you who we are, who you are. (laughs) I know, right? Okay, so that's Prince of Egypt. So let's give it it a rating and let's give it our final thoughts. All right, I want to go first for this one because I give this one four bold stars. Um, I, the music is amazing. I love the underlying message of working miracles in our own lives and staying strong and having faith. Um, I would have changed the villain song and some of the voices. Um, and, but I love the character development of Moses and Remesis, their relationship. And you know what? There's a few other things that could have improved on, but still, this is, I, this is a great, great movie. And I really could have just you know, watched it again right after. So it has replay value. So I'm going to give it four bold stars. Awesome. So are bold stars different from regular stars? <laughs> well, I didn't know if I could give it like 4.5. Cause I was just like, I don't know, but it, it like, it resonated at the four star level, but it was like, at the same time, I was like, but it was so much, I, I feel like it was better than four at the same time. I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I was at torn. So I just said bold. <laughs> Yeah, okay. You know what? I give it four and a half stars. Like, seriously, um, I think this is the second time I've seen this film, and it's uh, very, 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 very well done. I felt inspired, and I felt edified, and I felt good after watching this film, both because of its message and because they really put a lot of work into this film, and it is a truly epic animated film. Honestly, there's no reason why anyone shouldn't watch this. Um, despite some weak characters and some like 
inaccuracies that bothered me. This is an extremely well-made film. And so I give it four and a half stars. I give it four stars. No, I give it four and a half stars. To me, this movie is one that when I think of it, I have very positive feelings. I I want to watch it. It's not a, oh, yeah, that movie's cool. It's no, I love that movie piggybacking off of what Mason said, you know, it's very epic. It starts with that incredible song and then kind of just like bookends it. Another song, the score is beautiful. The characters are really strong, very well developed. You know, then there's, there's a few, which we don't like who we talked about, you know, and I can forgive them for that, but I mean, it's great. This movie should be seen by everybody. And really I think DreamWorks should promote this more. I feel like they've, you know, ignored it and they've just put a lot of money and publicity into their, their big franchises. And this will never be a big franchise, but it really is a movie they should never forget about because of everything that it did well. Oh yeah. I'll take, I'll second that one. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> <laughs> but don't don't go to this film if you're expecting a lot of laughs or the lovable sidekick no no go see road to el dorado if you want that yeah they they quickly uh threw everything they learned doing prince of egypt and and then went back to quote-unquote what works or what had worked Boo. Uh, and uh very very poor poo poo to them <laughs> yeah poo poo sir <laughs> awesome going to our mini mailbag segments. These are actually emails we got from two of our contest winners. So yes, we did have winners to these contests and these are proof. So our first one, it says, hello, Morgan, Chelsea, and Mason. I received the art of brave book yesterday and I want to thank you so much for it. It's a beautiful book and I can't wait to dig into it. I've always managed to resist buying these art of books in the past, but now that I have one, I may have to start a collection smiley face. Thanks for helping feed my animation addiction with your podcast. I really enjoy listening to your thoughts about these films thanks again for the book i really appreciate it dave so congrats dave we're really happy that you won our art of brave contest um i actually like thumbed through that before i mailed it off to you so um i I made sure not to eat cheetos or anything beforehand but that book is beautiful so enjoy it and i really do hope that it helps you know inspire you to buy more maybe i mean that's very like consumeristic of me to say like buy 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 but i personally think they're an awesome thing to have in any library or collection just because they're so cool to flip through it's a perfect coffee table book 
Yeah, and our second winner of the Paranorman Review Contest uh, was Lisa Lynch. And she sent us a little note, you know, just saying, hey, the package arrived. Awesome slippers. T-shirt is great. The kids are going to fight over the creepy toothbrush for sure. Thank you so much. That was a really cool little prize pack that we were able to give away as well. So thank you for all of the people who made comments in the review section of the website under Paranorman. We had over 65 people that entered into that contest. So those were very highly desired slippers, apparently. Uh, yes, they were. They were the ones he wears in the movie. So la-di-da. They're really cool. La-di-da. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a wonderful show. and, and- it's definitely a different tone from our normal Rotoscopers episode, but a very, very good way. I enjoyed myself as I was talking about this film and as I was watching and preparing for it. I just left more inspired than when I started. So thank you guys. Yeah, seriously, it's been a great episode. Thank you so much for listening. So you can find us on the web at therotoscopers.com. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and and the like. You know, anywhere you want to follow the Rotoscopers, we are there. Um, you can also email us more mailbag questions at therotoscopers at gmail.com. Until next time, we, we, we are, are the, the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. <laughs> oh, didn't work out too well. Just, we'll just take cut- it from another episode. Hey, uh, no one catches on to it's the same clip over and over. <laughs> hey, they're just using the same recording over and over. <laughs> that was a really good quote. <laughs> what kind um, of cut right. production is this? Yeah, so so it's uh, it's Jeffrey Katzenberger, Katzenberger, <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberger. Uh, dang it again. Sorry. Bless you, my child. Sure. I'll take that as a yes. Oh, cool. Cool news dance party segment music. <laughs> no, that's the that's the telegram. That's the telegram sound. Okay. Apparently I'm too old fashioned. <laughs> I just do Paul Harvey. Oh, Stand by for news. All right. <laughs> awesome. So I hope everybody enjoyed my version of When You Believe. If you want to head on over to my Facebook page over at facebook.com forward slash this is Chelsea Robson, you can see all of the videos that I'm going to be posting from this episode and also from future episodes as well. So you're saying that was just a shameless plug for your website? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs>